So, welcome to Borderline, where I was going to start this week's show mm-hmm. with me going to my first drag show ever in my life. But you might have just one up me. I, I don't know if we should bring this. <laughs> but me performing in one? I, what do you mean? <laughs> what, what, wait a second. What? <laughs> I don't know if we should start with edibles. I don't know if we should lead with edibles or lead with the drag uh, show. <laughs> I, you know, we, we can. I, I think talking about your experience at a drag show is great. I don't think edibles are allowed or illegal in South Carolina anyway, like you were saying. I mean, of, of all the states, my guess is none of that is probably legal here. Yeah, it's 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 still on a state-by-state state, uh, basis, which is ridiculous. I mean, it depends. I mean, you've got, you know, if it's a true cannabis edible, then yes, it has to be in a state where cannabis is legal or at least medicinal, you right. know. But yeah, every state's different. So we're going to lead with the drag show instead? Absolutely. You do you, man. I want to hear about it. Wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't. I'm making a bigger deal out of it than than it was. It, it. I mean, it was a drag show, but it wasn't. It wasn't. So the Charleston Food and Wine Festival is an annual event, and, and you you lived here, so you know. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. big. It's it's a big deal. I mean, it is it is to Charleston what like the Taste of Chicago or something like that is to Chicago. Much smaller scale, I get it, but it's a huge. It's a huge event. I mean, there's thousands of people there. And they have bands, food, wine, obviously, everywhere. You pay one flat fee and you go in. You basically just eat and drink as much as you want. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's a great party and the weather was awesome. But so we get there and about half an hour in, the uh, their, their version of Bernie Neighbors gets up on the stage to start warming up the crowd. And he's like, come on up in 20 minutes. We've got the finest, you know, drag queens from the area. And, and all of us are like, wait a second, what? And sure enough, about a half an hour, 45 minutes later, it was it was a drag show to kind of warm up the crowd. And it was hilarious. Yeah. They I go mean, all was, out. It was, it was yeah, it was really, it was really entertaining, actually. It, it really was a great way to get the crowd going. And then they brought in some awesome bands. But so I stumbled upon my first ever drag show. I'm pretty jealous, man. I, that's one of the things I miss about Charleston were the uh, festivals. Like, yeah, they may not be as big as some of your larger city stuff, but when you're talking food in Charleston. You're going to be hard pressed to find a better city. And it's just always so much fun, man. It's always so much fun to be outside in Charleston. Like mine, we talked about it on the phone. My favorite was the Oyster Festival at Boone Hall. Yeah. That Oyster Festival was a blast. At least it used to be with bands and all the, yeah, it was just a, it was awesome. Strawberry Festival, Azalea Festival. Um, I can't say I ever did the Strawberry Festival. I mean, Oyster Roasts are great. Yeah, I mean, all the festivals have bands. I mean, it's it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great town. I do love it. You don't you don't want any part of this place in August and early September, but <laughs> right. when it's just blazing, the heat just won't go away. No, it's terrible, yeah. man. It is brutal. It did it's been the hottest February on record there, hadn't it? I mean, it's been hot everywhere except yeah. for basically you cut this line across the middle of the country and the yep. southeast. It has been hot for yep. February. I mean, there yeah, was no so. winter this year. No winter. Today's a little bit cooler, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been it's been in the eighties. I mean, it's been it's been crazy nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See you. See you later, winter. You don't exist anymore in the southeast, apparently. Oh my gosh, we have pollen. I mean, you should see. Yeah, our cars. it's I mean, coated pollen, out here. Pollen has exploded. My car is green. Yep. Already. All right. And I, and I remember growing up, some of the biggest snowfalls I ever saw in Charlotte were early March. You can kiss that goodbye. Yeah, no, that's not happening. Speaking of Charleston, how about just just real quick little basketball thing? How about the College of Charleston? They won again. We're recording this on Wednesday. It'll drop on Thursday. But on Tuesday night, College of Charleston basketball team, Little College of Charleston, won the CAA tournament. So they are headed to the NCAA tournament. They, they punched their ticket, as they say. 
And how about this? They won 31 games this year. Like, I don't care who you are. You win 31 games. I mean, that's 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 a hell of a run. It's a good squad. Dude, College Charleston's always had a good basketball program. So going back to the days of John Cress. I mean, when I right. lived there, they were really on their way up. I mean, look, that's one of North Carolina's better wins this year. <laughs> I mean, it turns turns out, yeah, who knew, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and it was a dogfight. I look, they've always and there's there's lots of basketball talent there, even though most areas of South Carolina tell you it's you know it's football state, blah, 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 which it is. But Charleston County has always had a really large basketball presence in the high schools and such. I mean, it's a it's a cool basketball area. But yeah, yeah that they team took a, they took a dip for a minute when Bobby Cremens left. They went through a couple of coaches, but uh, but but Pat Kelsey, this this new guy, yeah, in just his second year, he's killing it. The only problem is are the rumors of him leaving already. And of the, the, the college the college did what they could. Bernie, I mean, they signed him to a to a uh, four year extension. A total of five million dollars, and the rumors, the rumors out there. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're still out there, but the rumors a couple of weeks ago were were him to Notre Dame. Notre Dame will pay him what two or three million at least a year, right? Uh, Basketball is not quite like. I mean, Roy Williams was only making two million a year at What's North that? Carolina. Roy Williams was only making two million a year when he was at North Carolina. Basketball coaches, it's not like college football. I mean, they're not making ten million a year like yeah. some of the college football coaches are, but it's still. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a seven-figure job, right? Yeah, I mean it's going to be life-changing money. So I'm afraid he, I'm afraid he might jump. I mean, because the, the college, I mean, if the college wants to be Gonzaga, and I don't want to get on my high horse here because no one cares about Charleston, um, but if they want to be Gonzaga, they've got to come up with big money. They, they're just going to have to to keep and like this. You need a John Cress again, yeah, who's willing to stay forever. I mean, let's yeah, face maybe it, Pat is. That's a good point. Maybe he and his wife, maybe maybe and and his maybe. family, maybe they love it. But guys like that that are head coaches, I mean, you know, you're around them. You know, there's a lot of ego there, right? And, you know, you can – your ego for most of those people, not all, but for most of those people is I want to prove myself at the highest level. I think I'm good enough, right? And as great as you can be at College of Charleston, it's not the same as going to one of the Power Five conferences and turning one of those schools around. I mean, that's it's the only reason why college coaches go to the NBA in football and basketball. There's no real reason to do it other than their egos. You know, they, they and, want and money. <laughs> yeah. But when you, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, obviously there's a difference between five and 10 million, but is there, I mean, you start to get to a certain level where the money's no, 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 no. not. Yeah, I don't that mean different. that, but, but there is a, there is a big difference between, between a million a year and three or 4 million a year. I mean, that's that now, now you're talking, now you're yeah. starting to talk about generational wealth. Yeah. I, I just, I think it's all egos with these guys. Cause they could make, if they stay in their markets, you know, and they get successful, you're going to be successful. Right. I mean, you're going to make a lot of money. And let's face it, you know, Charleston, while it is expensive, it's not like New York expensive or the Bay Area expensive or L.A. expensive. Right. So at Sullivan's Island where I can say eight million if you want. Yeah. But I mean, you've got that in every city. Right. And in some yeah. cities like here in Atlanta, I mean, some of the house values for what you get is surprising. It's shocking, actually. Yeah. And I just, you know, the more you go up, the, you know, it's all relative in a way. But I don't know. I, I love Charleston. I, I wish more coaches would do that. But I think it's ego. I think certain coaches just feel like they get, you know, in their own coaching fraternity. It's like, ah, you know, we respect what you're doing, but it's not like coaching in at Duke. You know, it's not like coach. You know what I mean? Like, and I think yeah. they feel that and their egos like they they want to they want to prove how great they actually are. And it would be cool to see some coaches stay. I mean, how how long's Mark Cuban? Yeah, if, if Pat Gonzaga. stays, 
if Pat stays, it would be great for the for the city. I mean, I mean how long's Mark Few been at Gonzaga? Yeah, been a long time. But but my guess is they're probably paying him. I'm, I'm sure they are, but I'm, they're not. He's not the highest paid coach. I mean, no, they're they're paying him an enormous amount of money for living in Boise, Idaho. Right. I mean, like, like that's not one of your high rent cities. I mean, I'm sure there's places in Boise that are extraordinarily nice. And I mean, you just drive around and it's gorgeous there, but it's not a high rent district compared to other cities. I, I you know, for, for a coach to stay that long, there has to be a true love affair there. And I think it was that's like Greg Marshall. It's like Greg Marshall making a million and a half or 2 million a year at Wichita state. I mean, that yeah. is killer money. How about can Dabo you imagine Clemson? I mean, Dabo's can, making what eight or ten million a year. He lives yeah. in Clemson, South Carolina. I mean, right. eight or ten million yeah. goes a long way in Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> you know, what's his name? Was it Wichita? What was Greg Marshall? Yeah. What's his deal? Like, had he been a guy that people wanted to be around, he could have coached anywhere he wanted to. Yeah, there were he, a there, lot of there's rumors. There's rumors of him coming back now. There, it just, man, he rubbed yeah. a lot of people the wrong way because there's oh, no I've reason got, he I've shouldn't got, have I've been in ACC schools. Yeah, I've got great stories about him. I mean, I shouldn't say great, but very entertaining stories about him. All right. Uh, I, I want to move on here because a couple of things I want to yeah. pick your brain on. Um, actually, speaking of Notre Dame and a big Notre Dame basketball fan, so Mark Richards, right, mm-hmm. wins again, picks up another title. So he now has 11. So, again, for those of you who uh, just kind of tune in and out of the show here, we don't always talk about a lot of cornhole, but there is a career titles list. And tied for first all-time career winners is uh, Matt Guy and Jamie Graham. Trey Birchfield has 14. But look out, Mark Richards now has 11. But the bigger point is I started to think about this this week, Bernie, like about the asterisk. And so, and so just before we came on, because uh, you kind of brought that up. I think we touched on this maybe a couple weeks ago, or yeah. maybe it was last week, about about do we need an asterisk? And so so my question is, maybe we do. So I looked it up, and um, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame does have an asterisk, appar- apparently, next to Roger Maris with his home, with when he broke yep. Babe different, Bruce. Different home number record. of games. Yeah. Yes, because the, because the number of games. So my question is, you know, Mark Richards has 11 already in just his second year, but he's had more opportunities. Absolutely. Than, than, than Matt Guy did. And you brought this up. So, I mean, do we, I mean, do you know, I mean, you know better than I do. Behind the scenes, have Trey or Stacy or anybody, have have, have there been any, I, any conversations? I have no idea. Because, I think, you know I think there I, should I kinda, be. But yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, I kind of started to come around on this um, after you mentioned it, that maybe we do because Mark's, Mark, and, and again, you know we love Mark. Mark's friend of the show. Uh, love having him on. Great family, um, and he may even agree. I mean, I'd love to have this conversation with him. But does there need to be an asterisk now with some of the? And maybe it's not even an asterisk. Maybe we just have a modern day, you know, in the modern day era. I think it's the open era. I think that's what we would call it because yeah, once open, you start okay, yeah. adding the opens in, which was only a couple of years ago, love that, that changes the numbers of championships you can win. Because Jamie yeah. and Matt, we. Quite frankly, Matt, in his own way, wasn't even playing in the ACL full time. So, I mean, to have the number he has without playing full time, we're kind of, you know, denigrating what he's done by, you know, putting other people in and ahead of him because he wasn't playing in the ACL full time. He was still winning these championships coming in on the side. Jamie was winning championships before the Open Series. So if you're going to start comparing number of wins, and I know it's great and it's a cool talking subject, and maybe we can ask our guest about it later, but it's just different. You're you're comparing apples to oranges, but telling yeah. everyone it's all apples, and I just don't think that's fair to everyone. 
I, I love what you just said. The open era. I, I think I think that I think that might be you know maybe a good way to kind of explain it and verbalize it because yeah, yeah I mean there there are sixteen opens now. Yeah, you know not not to mention four nationals, the world championships, shootouts, pro shootouts. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you start uh, adding all those as wins, when before you had four nationals and a world championship, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then the shootout shootouts came in. I mean, so yeah. you've. To, to compare, I mean, I love Mark Richards. Mark Richards is a hell of a player. Yeah. Not not saying anything bad about Mark Richards. Well, what I am saying, to start comparing his numbers to theirs, I just don't think it's very genuine. I think that does a disservice to what Jamie Graham has done. I think it's a disservice to what Matt Guy has done. However, that being said, you can go and take that deep dive further and say, hey, in the last two years, who's the best player on the planet? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have an argument for Mark Richards. I just we do get very carried away with our numbers sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I just started to think about that this week and I started to kind of come around on what you were saying, because maybe it would be worth noting the open era, although the sport is so new still. Um, and this is something we kind of talked about last week with Trevor Brooks. The sport is still so new. Maybe we mm-hmm. don't have to do that because really the sport is only what I mean, really 2000, what, 17, 18 is when it really 16, kind of... I mean, really with the ACL. I mean, but, you know, the, the old timers would say they've been playing for a lot longer than that. It's just you have a pre-ACL era, which is when it was truly... No, I mean, infancy. you know what I mean. I, yeah. I mean. I mean, like the TV, when when the when the sport really... National television then, since 2017, basically. Yeah. So really, I mean, the sport is still relatively... Sure. Not relatively. It is. It is extremely new compared to yeah. all these other sports that we talk about. But 100%. anyway, but yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, all right. And then one more, one more thing. And then we got to get to our guest. Uh, it's so funny because last week we were talking about, Hey, has the sport gotten to a level where we could do like a daily show, right? Even mm-hmm. if it was just an hour, we pop on and do a daily live talk show. Well, all of a sudden, and we were like, would we have enough content? Well, I I'm starting to think now with bag changes, with partner change. How about, how about Josh Holland? Yeah. It's been a crazy Josh Holland yeah. in the last 48 hours. All of a sudden, not only is he switching partners, he's switching bags. Yeah. Like literally 30 days before the first national. I mean, to me, this is a, it's a big deal. And I love talking about this stuff and, and Frank Modlin teaming up with Cheyenne Bubenheim. I mean, all of a sudden it's like these, these off the court type of things that we could talk about. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it'd be kind of fun to do it. I think it'd be awesome. I just don't know how long that's going to last. Like I can't see in the future players being allowed to, sh- to uh, switch bags uh, in the middle of a season. I, I think yeah. you're going to get to contractual situations where that just can't be possible. I, I think the partner thing we'll get into here a little bit more when we have our guest on. I I don't like it. I like I like where the changes are for the people involved in the changes. I don't like the fact that ah we're not playing as well this year. I'm going to change partners. I don't like that. However, if I look at another sport that's similar with as far as having doubles, tennis tennis players do it all the time. So no, uh, I didn't know that. I don't follow it close enough. They change partners throughout the process. Uh, I mean, you know, they're not contractually obligated. You have some players that play like some folks play with the same person all the time. And then others kind of, you know, hey, this weekend, let's play together and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, know, I, just, thought, I just thought, I mean, maybe it's not. I just thought that was a big deal when I saw that. It and, is a big deal. Uh, and so I reached out, Nate Voyer and I, Nate, Nate's you know good friend of the show. and Huge and we moment for Nate Voyer, by the way. Oh, my God. I mean, Nate, and, and, and for Cornhole Scenario, because Josh won the Pro Shootout Championship on the single side with, with Cat 3s, with the Cornhole Scenario bags. Mm-hmm. And he goes over to AAR, and you know I don't know what happened. I'll have to talk to him. I don't know if he didn't feel comfortable with the bags, whatever. 
but he goes, he, he switches partners, goes away from his dad yeah. and goes back to shooting the cat threes, cornhole scenario bags with Nate Voyer. I mean, I don't know. To me, it's a big deal, but this kind of stuff would be fun to talk about each day. Wouldn't it? So I, th- it would, so I think it, back it to our point, yeah. we're getting close. We're, we're, getting, we're getting close. close. We're getting, we're definitely getting, we're a lot closer now than we were a year or two ago. What the so. hell is wrong with me? I'm like, I'm like so geeked out about Cornhole. What the hell just happened? Like uh, I have these like out of body experiences. You're, you're all in, dude. Off you're all in. Cornhole. You are all, all right. in on Cornhole. All right. We ready? Let's do it. All right. Uh, I can't believe we are having this guy on. I think anyway, for the first time, uh, one of the top 20 players in the world, in the sport last year on the uh, pro circuit. Pro circuit. He is actually tied for fifth all time on the career titles list. He has 10 career titles, six singles, three time national winner. Um, terrific guy. And and he is he is a well rounded niche sport guy. And and he's he is fantastic to talk to. I love talking to him about cornhole strategy. I love talking to him about life. He's a young guy. Um, and he's very ambitious in niche sports. He is a future um pro uh, poker player. And he is a big time gamer. He wants to go pro in gaming. And of course, he's already a pro in the world of cornhole. And again, one of the top players out there. But again, one of our one of our uh, great personalities in the sport. And uh, so happy to have him on. Please welcome to the show the pride of Cuba, Illinois, population <laughs> of 1300. Please welcome to the show, Ryan Windsor. Yes. All right, Ryan. <laughs> Cuba, Illinois, population 1,300. I know you don't still live there. You now live in a booming metropolis of Canton, uh, which has 13,000 people. Um, I don't know what you do with all the rush hour traffic in Canton. (laughs) That Walmart's got to be a lot bigger. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like growing up in Cuba, Illinois? Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's really just small town. Everyone knows everyone. There's no like drugs or violence or like gang activity. There's no like sketchy stuff going on. Like when I'm traveling to all these big cities, you know, it just really sketches me out. So I really enjoy being from a really small town. Well, and I know they all, I know they all love watching you when you're performing in the nationals, but okay. Let, let's let's start with cornhole here first, just because I just like had this out of body geeking out cornhole thing, and I don't know where that came from. I actually knew it sounded like I knew what I was talking about, didn't it? For, at least for a minute, almost a little bit. No. <laughs> okay, anyway. uh, all right, so so much to unpack. Uh, I, I guess let's start with this, Ryan. I would love your thoughts on. Uh, not necessarily an asterisk by the career titles, but but do you kind of feel what Bernie and I were talking about? Like Mark Richards, and again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Mark because he's a terrific player, and you still got to win it. But it's a different era, isn't it? Or, or or no? Do we just do we just keep flying with the way we are right now? No asterisk, no open era, and just and just and just go. No, you guys are right. Back then, uh, the ACL career titles, I'm pretty sure, was just the four national championships and then the world championships. But now the overall career titles are 16 opens along with four nationals and eight pro shootouts and the world championships. So that's like roughly 29 tournaments out of the year compared to back then, which was just five. So... I mean, that's a pretty significant difference right there. So I totally agree with everything that both of you guys said about that. Okay, good. That, that's something you don't often hear on the show. Well, I mean, but it's true, though. I mean, like, and I think it's unfair. And I mean, Ryan 
you're someone that competed and won at that level before we had all these different tournaments. And like, what do you, like, do you guys talk about it? Like when, when you hear, you know, like, all right, so Mark Richards makes a broadcast, right? And then someone starts talking about, well, he's already won this many ACL titles and he's moving up the rank for most all-time titles. Does that not carry well quote in the locker room, quote unquote, when you guys are all sitting around watching you all like, well, yeah, he's playing when he can, you know, win 29 chances when everyone else had five. And we still had a great amount of talent on the floor going for those five. Well, a prime example of something similar to that was just this past weekend in Louisiana. Um, Alex Rawls won the blind draw Friday, and then he won doubles Saturday. And then in singles, he won his bracket. So he was uh, almost about to hit a trifecta. And the only person to ever do that of all time, I'm pretty sure, is Alex Hicks. So, I mean, in order for Alex Rawls to hit that trifecta, he had to beat me and then he had to beat Harbaugh, and then he had to beat Alex Hicks at the very end. So uh, we were all kind of talking on the side, you know, can Alex Rawls hit the trifecta? And I don't know, that kind of reminds me of what you were saying. And Yeah, there's just so many different opportunities now. It's crazy. Yeah, and again, not to take anything away from Mark, because you still got to win it, and he has. But um, yeah, I, th I think maybe we need to kind of verbalize that and put a little bit of asterisk by it, J just because... You know, like like what happens if Matt Guy doesn't win a whole lot more? What if he doesn't win another Open? What if he only wins one more national? Yeah, you know, I just feel like we need to honor some, you know, somehow, some way, a player who didn't have the number of opportunities, um, you know, that, that that the modern players now have. I don't know. Well, I, I think if we ever get to a point where we actually have a cornhole Hall of Fame somewhere, right? I mean, it'll, it'll happen eventually. Yeah. Matt Guy is going to be in the first class. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, be. he's going to he's going to be first ballot guy. So, I mean, I, I think that's there. But, you know, the game's changed. And, you know, and, and with with the metamorphosis of the game, as it continues to move on, you're going to have people that go through these runs. And with the opportunities they have, I mean, Alex Six is what? How old is Alex now? 13? How many titles yeah. does Alex Six have as a 13 year old? Seriously, I'm, what, I'm not sure. But... but it's yeah. By the time he's 20. The number he could amass in, amass in the open series—it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. This is gonna be fun to follow. It's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun to follow. All right. So the other thing, Ryan. So we've been talking about, you know, cornhole getting really close to like like during the off season. I'm not sure how much of a fan you are of the NFL or the NBA, but during the off season, there's almost as many headlines off the court now with free agency as there is during the season. And I feel like we're kind of getting close to that. In cornhole, where there's a lot of headlines now that are coming off the court versus versus on the court. I mean, we love obviously talking about all the action on the court, but like like this weekend. I mean, what were your thoughts with with Josh Holland leaving his dad, um, changing his doubles partner? Now he's going to play with Nate Voyer, and, and not only is he leaving his dad and playing with Nate, but he switches bags. Like to me, this is a big deal. I mean, do you think that we're going to start to see this? Like, you know, I, I know I know there's been rumors. I don't want to say it, but I know there's been rumors of other guys who have made changes with their bags this offseason, right? Not real happy. Not real happy with what's going on with their bags right now. Are we going to start to see changes or no? I mean, that's a tough question. I, I've heard a lot about that whole Josh Holland, AAR, cornhole scenario situation, and honestly, I don't really feel comfortable talking about it because, <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know. It's not really none of my business, I guess. Well, do you, all right. So, so do you feel like once you once you sign with somebody, you should stay then for the season? 
Yeah, I think loyalty goes a long way, and yeah. I think there's a lot more to this sport than just skill level. I think it's all about how you represent yourself and the brands that you're associated with slash sponsored with. And I, I don't know. I just, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't want to say much more about it. I mean, but no, it's it's true. It, like, look, there has it, at some point. I think contracts will change things, and and. It, you know, if you sign to play with someone, it, you know, even if it's just for a year, you got to deal with it. I mean, that was your choice. And that's why those choices are important. And I think one of the problems with having so many talented players under a certain age, you're not very worldly. You haven't done a lot of things in life. And so you don't have a really good concept of, you know, <clears throat> you know, this is how the business world works. You can't just go out and do what you want to do all the time. You know, this isn't, the backyard game it used to be. And so when you decide to make that choice, I mean, that's, you have to man up and be like, all right, I made that choice. I'm stuck with this choice for this season. Now I could have a bad season and change things after that, but you still are stuck with it now until they change things contractually, we're still going to have this problem. But I think at some point you have to be responsible for yourself. You have to be responsible for your own decisions. I think personally, I agree with you. Yep. And, and this and this really, I mean, we could debate this for a long time, but this really kind of needs to be mandated from the top, right? Like with NASCAR, there's there's a certain there's a certain uh, drop dead date. Like you can't you can't thirty days before the start of the of the NASCAR the Cup Series, you can't switch from Ford to to Chevy, right? Yeah, you, know, you can't just change. You can't change mid season. You can't change just before the start of the season. But that comes but, down to also to your point though, Jeff. That's from Ford and Chevy. They're making sure contractually you can't do that. That's what I, I, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. maybe that you know, again we could debate this for a long time. Maybe this needs to come from the top. You know, I'm not even sure it's an ACL thing. Right. Maybe maybe it's a, maybe it's an ultra thing. You know, maybe maybe it's an AR thing. You sign with us once you sign that contract. You you are with us until the end, and and then and then you can change. I mean, shoot, Kyle Busch he lost his sponsorship and Toyota last year. So it even happens to some of the best in the sport. And this sport maybe will get to the point where it's the same. Once you sign, you're with them for that year, and you just have to figure it out. And, but it's also on the bag manufacturers to help them figure it out, right? Like if you sign with someone and you're not, and they're not really comfortable with your bag, I think it's up to the bag manufacturer to find something that they like to put in their to put yeah. in their hand. I mean, we've can't seen that, that with other season. manufacturers. Can't do that during the season, but during the off season, you can. Yeah. No, I mean, I think if, if, if you're playing with, let's say it's Ultra, let's just choose Ultra. You don't have to play the same series. You can play another Ultra bag. Oh, I think you to change the bag. Like no, no, no. You have to bag. find a way. That it's up to those bag manufacturers to find something that you like. I mean, right. that's part of that. Con it goes both ways. See, Ryan, isn't this great? This is exactly what we're talking about. Do you get this in poker? <laughs> you don't get this done, kind of. You don't get this kind of drama in poker. I mean, there's all. I thought drama ended after high school, but that's clear. No, no. no. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So let's let's talk about. Um, by the way, your background is just sweet. it's awesome. And and that, keep staring at we it. were talking about this before you came on. That's that's part of the whole gaming thing. But um, how do you find the time? Um, I mean, you, you're basically a multi-sport athlete. And I know that may sound funny to people, but that's what you are. Uh, it's not football, basketball, and tennis, but it's gaming, it's poker, and it's cornhole. So how do you find time? I mean, do you have a job? Is, is cornhole your full-time thing? Like, how do you find time to do all three of these? Um, so, so I started playing cornhole when I was 14. I'm currently 26. So I've been playing for 12 years now, but I've basically dedicated my life just strictly to cornhole for those 12 years. 
Um, poker has always just kind of been a side thing that that's why I said I'm aspiring to be a future poker pro because uh, cornhole, I love them both probably equally the same. I love, I started cornhole and poker at the age of 14 and I've loved them both equally the same for 12 years now. And I've always loved playing video games as well. So I'm, I'm like really passionate about all three of those things. It's just, it you can't, I'd rather uh, be great at one thing than kind of be good or average at all three. So I've basically dedicated everything to cornhole. But now since I've been doing that for 12 years, now I feel like it's time to start like dedicating more towards video gaming or more towards poker, but obviously continue my cornhole career. Um, it's, I'm still passionate about cornhole, obviously, but I think I'm just starting to get more intrigued in video gaming, especially with the cornhole video game coming out within the next month, I believe. Plus I have Alex Hicks as my pro partner, who's also, uh, he's crazy on the sticks as we call it in the video <laughs> game world. Uh, but I'm, that's what they I'm say about Bernie and I too. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to take on this video game career with Alex Hicks as my partner and, uh, my cornhole career with Alex Hicks as my partner. Um, and then we'll see where poker takes me, but. Well, all right. Since, since, since we brought it up, I, you know, last ACL live that we had, I brought, I had you in my top five to watch. And one of the things I said was, you know, I, I, I questioned, and it wasn't like a serious question, but I, I was curious because of your varied interests off, you know, outside of the cornhole world, do we still get Ryan Windsor as focused as Ryan Windsor needs to be to win on the, on the, on the pro level in cornhole? Do we still get that guy? Because once you start to take your focus elsewhere, I mean, so your focus is elsewhere. It's not going to be necessarily on cornhole. Can you, can you maintain that same elite level and elite status in cornhole with these other interests? Yes, I can. I'm built different. Um, <laughs> and I have Alex Hicks on my side and that'll keep me like feeling like I'm really young and passionate still because, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I've always had Cedra as my partner and he has a full-time job and a family and all this and that. And I totally understand that. But now that I have Alex Hicks, I feel like the roles have changed. So like Cedro has always been my mentor. And I'm very grateful for always being his partner, but I felt like it was time for, for me to be the mentor now for nice. a younger kid that is, you know, the baby goat. All right. Well, look, since we brought up Alex, I got one more question, Jeff. We've, you've heard us talk about in the past, whether it's me, <clears throat> Jeff, Trey, Michelle, Anthony, a number of different uh, commentators, why do pro players play with people that are not their pro partners in opens when their pro partners there? I get it if it's a travel issue or a work issue or what have you, but why is it? I, I don't get it because to me, logically, I would think the more bags I throw with that partner, the better chemistry we're going to have, i.e. maybe more wins that we can get. But it, it's not just you. It's a number of different pros. It seems like every week when there's an open, people are not playing with their pro partner. And like, I just want, since you're one of the top guys, I'm curious to get your, 
your opinion on this. Why do people play with people that are not their pro partners at opens? No, you're totally, you're totally right. I agree 100% with everything you said. Like it would honestly kind of bug me and stress me out that people do that. And I'm like, why do people do that? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. And then next thing you know, I just did that. So it's like, <laughs> well, well, but no, the reason, the reason what happened with that, with me and Alex was, I thought that he said that he wasn't going to go to that one. So then I was like, okay, I just won't go, you know, no big deal. Well, then uh, Trezinsky asked me kind of last minute and I was like, well, sure, you know, I'll go to it. But I should have clarified with Alex Hicks first, but I didn't. So I screwed up big time and I, I felt horrible about it because I'm trying to be a good role model to him. So I apologized to him. I apologized to his mom. I apologized to his dad. You know, I admitted I made a mistake and it won't happen again, but. It was just kind of a bad communication part on me, and I but, why, but why do you think? But why do you think other pro players do it? I mean, because it seems to be it's it seems for the Open series anyway that players are playing with whomever. Is it just? I, I just don't get it, and I, and I'm I'm curious as to if you have an opinion on why other people do it. I I think it's I think it's just fun to, I think it's just fun, and it's I think it's a great learning experience. Like I think. I learned a lot about Trzinski this weekend, and I think Alex Hicks learned a lot about Tony Smith this weekend. And I, I mean, it, you, I totally agree with everything you said, 100%. It, it bugs me that people do that. It bothers me. I don't know why people do it. I can't answer. I can't explain right. it to you. But it really sucks that I just did that when I, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. It is what it is. I made a mistake. I owned up to it. I apologize. Life goes on. Yeah, you seem like such a villain. You're such a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to know why Mark and Philip didn't play together a couple weekends ago. We'll have to we'll have to get them on and and see what happened with see what happened with that. I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone's heard anything about that. I'm not sure. I think it's just one of those things that they do it, and that, that's why I'm just curious. I because I don't like, and I and I get what you're saying. I think it is fun for people to play with different people. Maybe you get tired of the yeah. same person game game in game out. Maybe you want to see a different style of bag thrown back at you. I I don't know, but it just seems like to me that the more you play with your partner, the more consistency you're going to have, which would lead to better wins. I just don't know, and I, and I but I am curious because it's. I would like to see the numbers on it, actually. I bet it's pretty close, 50-50, people playing without their partners and people playing with their partners in the Open Series. I bet it's pretty close to 50-50. I think it's one thing, too, on the timing of it. You know, if you all want to yeah. do it during the offseason, sure, that's fine. But, I mean, gosh, we're, we're a month away from the first national of the year. You yeah. know, that, that's, that's, you know that, that's the thing that, that would kind of raise a red flag to me. But sometimes things happen, like you were saying, Ryan. So, all right. Let's let's uh, get into Ryan Windsor and the Blind Squirrel. Uh, that that is your that is your nickname. Um, I think I've heard the story. Bernie was asking you about it before he came on. Where did the Blind Squirrel nickname come from? Let's let's get to this once and for all. Okay, so I played in my first ever ACL uh, national championship. Right, it was down in Florida. No one had any idea who I was. Right, I was just some kid from small town Cuba, Illinois. And, uh, well, at the time, uh, Jordan Camba was the number one player in the world in the ACL. And I, there was four brackets. I won my bracket. He won his. And then it, it was me versus Jordan Camba in the overall final championship on ESPN. 
and uh, I beat I beat Jordan Camba. So uh, the interviewer was like, "How does it feel to beat the number one player in the world?" This now I'm like, "Feels great, you know, whatever." Well, about five days after that tournament, I'm just sitting at home, and the ACL posted on their uh, Facebook page a meme, and it said like uh, it said. Jordan Camba, the number one player in the world on losing to Ryan Windsor. A blind squirrel finds a nut. Oh. I was like, I was like, wow. okay, if Camba wants to say that, you know, that's fine. <laughs> but the ACL to post that, that's kind of like. Was that Trey Ryder? Did Trey Ryder show uh, yeah, you like that? I, I don't probably know. Probably before it was Trey was doing that. So I, don't, I, don't, I, know, I wonder who that was. Trey. I don't know, but it really bothered me. I'm like, wow, okay, you know, so I just, like, there was a bunch of comments on there, like, everyone was kind of having my back and defending me, and I was just, like, letting it all play out, and then I waited about a week, and then I made a meme of myself, and it was of Jordan Camba in his younger days, like, when he first started playing, and I posted a picture back, I said, uh, the face you make when Ryan Windsor lays the sauce on you or something <laughs> along those lines. And then that like, that like blew up pretty good. So uh, that's kind of how all that happened. I love that. That's a great story. The blind hey, squirrel. Er, er, earlier, earlier, Ryan, you talked about being built differently. And again, you know, when we talk about you being a multi-sport uh, athlete, we're not talking football, basketball, baseball, we're talking gaming, we're talking poker, and we're talking cornhole. So when you say, I'm just built differently, um, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, work smarter, not harder. So like with the sports I chose, I can make the most amount of money with the least amount of effort. <laughs> that, is, well that, is, that is so your generation right there. So, so someone, someone bottle that for that generation. That, that's the new motto. <laughs> so what what kind of money are we talking? I mean, what, what what will you make more in poker this year? Will you make more potentially in gaming? Will you make more in cornhole? Like what are we talking here? Definitely cornhole. My video gaming career hasn't even started yet. My poker playing career hasn't even really started yet. Everything's been cornhole, but now I'm just like going through this phase in my life where now is the time where I start my video gaming career and now is the time I start my poker playing career. So I haven't really established anything in the video gaming world or the poker world yet, but I know like what I'm capable of. And I also know the sky is the limit. So I'm only 26. So you're going to have to give me like a couple years, you know, to really sure. start taking off. I know things don't happen overnight. I understand that consistency is key. So I just have to grind and grind and grind for like the next five years and we'll see where I'm at. How, ex how expensive, sorry, Jeff, how expensive is it to get started in those sports? Because I would think you, you've got to get a computer and a system that can that is really set for gaming at a high rate. And then the money, obviously, in gambling, you have to have the ability to lose, right? And you have to have some back to be able to take losses. So how expensive are those? For video gaming, I probably have like 3000 in my setup right now, which is pretty standards or more like towards the low end. You know, a lot of people have up to five or 10 or even 20 grand in their setup. But uh, and then the poker, 
poker is crazy because there's tournaments where you can buy in for a quarter million dollars or even up to a million dollars. There's this one tournament. It was a million dollar buy in. And both of these guys had pocket aces and they both went all in pre-flop. And then a dude hits a flush. So a dude lost a million dollars <laughs> on aces versus aces. Like poker is just so sickening. And uh, I don't know. There's just an insane amount of money in the poker world. And that's going to be the most expensive one, I would say, for sure. But uh, I am I play like, you know, obviously not the million-dollar buy-ins. <laughs> the biggest poker tournament I've ever played in was a $1,700 buy-in. But usually I'll stick to like the... 400 or $600 buy-ins. So what's the most money you've ever won or lost? The most money I've ever made playing poker in one night was probably like 3,800. The most I've lost in one night was that 1,700. So is that how it starts? I mean, in poker, I mean, is it, is it like cornhole? I mean, you basically start as, you know, just a, a, a local player or a regional player and just play in... <clears throat> playing local events and then just try to work your way up in the rankings? Yes. So with poker, there's there's uh, cash games and then there's tournaments. So uh, tournaments are a lot harder because usually there's only like one out of every nine players make the money. But uh, the risk-reward ratio is a lot higher. So like this, say, for example, that $1,700 buy-in tournament I played in, the winner, I think, got like, 190,000 or something plus a championship ring plus a seat into a tournament of champions which is like a million dollar payout or something but I don't know my really my only poker goal in in life is to win a championship ring if I can accomplish that then then that's all I really care about because like you said I have I'm I'm tied for fifth of all time in career titles in the ACL so I have championship rings there I just want one championship ring and poker, and then, and then I'm good. So, do you wear a hat or sunglasses? Do you have any alter ego that you that you <laughs> assume when you play poker? Yeah, I put my headphones in. I put my sunglasses on. I put my hood up. I don't talk to nobody. I'm not there to make friends. I'm there to get in my zone and win. But I haven't done that yet. But before I die, my goal is to win a championship ring playing poker. What's your, what's your nickname going to be in poker? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> Usually people said, you have to check that kid's ID. So I don't know. I, maybe I'll just be called the kid, like Daniel Negreanu or whatever. Interesting. Interesting. Kid Ice. That's your new, that, that, that's your new uh, poker alter ego. So Because you're, so you're very Ryan, relaxed, what? very cool. Yeah, he, he is relaxed. So, all right, so dumb question here. D does cornhole help playing poker or poker help playing cornhole? I mean, is there any crossover whatsoever? I mean, I mean, at this point, you're actually used to playing in front of some fairly vocal um, and, and intense crowds on the cornhole side. So does one help the other at all? They both help out each other a lot. Um, the thing about the two most important things playing poker, in my opinion, is patience and discipline you have to be a patient poker player and you have to be very disciplined so i mean with cornhole i think uh you obviously have to be really disciplined that goes for anything in life 
And then I think you also have to be patient as well. Like, uh, for example, if I throw a blocker on the very first bag and someone just shoots an airmail right off the rip, I don't think that's very good patience. You know, I think you should block behind first. minutes left but so so what what motivates you ryan like i mean do you have do you have mentors in your life we know about your relationship with with isidro um it's a great relationship and i love the story about how you guys came to play together but what about what about your family like like mom dad brothers sisters like what what motivated you when you were when you were young to become so competitive yeah i, I think i'm really motivated because of my dad. So my dad uh, was the one who got me started in cornhole and poker at the age of 14. Uh, he was the one I always played poker with. He was the one I always played bags with. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was 18. It was directly after uh, high school. But I still got my college degree after that and then went pro in cornhole. So I didn't like let that like kind of destroy me. I still, I use that as like motivation, I guess. But uh, my dad was an amazing guy and uh, I was really like pissed off at the world after that happened because not only did I lose him, but I also lost my best friend. And then I also lost my dog, like all at the age of 18. So I was pretty much destroyed at that age and I just hated the world. But um, <clears throat> then I, then I made like a change in my life a couple of years after that. And I started going to church and stuff. And that's when I found God. And that's when like, I, so I became baptized. So God is like my heavenly father now. And that's when I like was, I didn't hate the world anymore because <clears throat> after that, that made me grateful that I had such an amazing father for 18 years of my life because a lot of people don't even have that. So that really like changed my perspective on things. Wow, that is powerful. Are you are you still are you still pretty religious? Yes, I will always love the Lord for all of eternity. Wow, that is, that is a powerful story, and I, I love hearing that because Bernie, you and I talk about that topic on the show all the time. You know, we all go through hardships, Ryan. But I think one of the fun things that we've had and very interesting topics we've had on the show is how do you battle out of those deep, those deep, you know, you know times sure. in our lives that you go through. Like we talked to Kyle Malone about it just a few weeks ago and what he did to get out of the dark <clears throat> spot that he was in. So the fact that you turned to religion, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, it definitely wasn't easy, but it also helped having, like I said earlier, I have two older brothers. Um, they've always had my back. They've always been there for me. Uh, I have a good relationship with my mom. So 
she's always been there for me. So I haven't really actually like ever truly felt alone because I had two older brothers that always had my back and my mom. I really, Bernie, I don't know if you knew, I, I, I didn't know this about you, Ryan. I, I mean, you, you don't seem to be an outwardly, you know, in your face type of religious guy. So I didn't, I didn't know this about you. I mean, is it something you try to keep more private? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Religion is kind of a controversial subject, I guess, yeah. kind of like politics or anything else. So I don't know. I'm, I, I think I'm a pretty private person. I don't really open up to people, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really show much emotion ever. I don't really talk to a lot of people. I just kind of try to focus on me and I kind of just try to live in my own world and try to focus on one goal at a time, I guess. I, I think people would like the vulnerable Ryan Windsor. I do. Yeah. What do, you I mean, mean, I, what do you mean by vulnerable? Just, just you know, emotionally vulnerable. Someone that's kind of like, you know, allowing people in, allowing people to see that everyone does have chinks in the armor. Everyone does have issues that they deal with. And I think you would be a really good example because me personally, I went through some of those same things and I stayed mad at the world. <laughs> I think I'm probably still mad at the world. So, I mean, I, I think there, there, there's, there's a lot to learn there from other people is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I need to I need to open up more and kind of put myself out there in front of the camera more. And that's why I'm really excited about uh, this video game career, because I'll be live streaming like like on the setup I have here. And I think that'll kind of get myself out there more. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to become like a content creator across all platforms like, you know, Facebook, uh, YouTube, TikTok, you know, all these different platforms. And then hopefully if I put myself out there a lot more then that can get me like bigger sponsorships in the future or like even potential sponsorships, like from bigger companies, like outside of the cornhole world. Sure. Because I mean, I am a professional athlete, you know, there's only 256 pro cornhole players out there. And if I'm a top five of all time, then I think I have all the capabilities to land a big time sponsor in the future. There you go. Well, Ryan, we got to go. But uh, yeah, as far as putting yourself out there, um, I appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've known you now for a long time because I feel like you're one of the first guys that I met when I first got into this. So I feel like I've seen you grow up almost right before our eyes. I mean, Bernie and I talk about this with a lot of the young players. I feel like we've watched a lot of you guys grow up and to hear you sit here and speak about your past and how you've been able to move forward. You didn't let the, the death of your father define you. is such a mature and healthy um, attitude and uh, man, you just did a great job of verbalizing a powerful story. So appreciate you coming on. Love watching you play. I put you in my top five this year, so don't let me down. Sounds good. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Thank you. Right on, right, bud. Thanks. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Ryan Windsor. Wow, powerful. I, I didn't know that about him. I didn't either. That was awesome. I think yeah. I'd meant, I think I'd heard mention of it, but I, in passing, and I, I just didn't really think of you know. But that, yeah. that's an awesome story. Great story. All right, bud, we got to go. I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. All right. See you, everybody. Thanks for watching.